Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Opset, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers. Fun show today, Keith. We're going to do oh, yeah. a seven-round mock draft early look at, uh, at the mock draft stuff. But we'll talk a lot about draft strategy, where the Seahawks currently are in the playoff hunt, what picks they've got uh, via Denver that will impact the way that we look at the offseason, all of it in this show. So uh, let's have some fun. Welcome yeah, this will be a great show. Um, what's weird is is we're talking playoffs. We're looking at the Seahawks as, you know, they're now tied for first place in the division. Um, and they've got some work to do to hold on to that spot. But but a a wild card berth at worst is, um, you know, seems like very extremely likely. And yet we're also looking at a top five draft pick because of uh, Denver being terrible. So it's. It's an interesting um it's an interesting look at the at this draft and and you know it's not very often that a that a team that's gonna be in the playoff has also has a top five pick. And and a top forty pick coming from that same team as well. Yeah. Adding to our ammunition that we've already got. Uh Seahawks are currently drafting twenty first overall in the in the draft, but Denver's at five, then they're at thirty-five, um, and and then the Seahawks follow up with fifty-one. And mm-hmm. so there's four picks in the top 50, and you add that uh, that fifth pick in the top 100 at, at 86. It's going to be a fun three rounds in this draft. And, if, you know, depending on the way that, that it shakes out, obviously uh, John Schneider likes to accumulate uh, draft capital as well. Um, and depending on, on what happens in the offseason, we could, we could end up trading back or acquiring, a, a, you know, another pick um in the off season so fun stuff all right so the way that we do this is that we both have already drafted uh using the mock draft simulator and we came in independently um until just uh just now i haven't seen um keith's picks nor he has seen mine we did talk about our first pick overall though because um i think we were just excited to talk about it early on but uh, otherwise, we don't really kind of know what each other's strategy was, what happened uh, during the mock, uh, but it should be a fun show. So let's talk about it. Yeah. So let's go ahead and jump in. Um, strategy wise, with the first five picks, like you've got five picks in the top 85. Uh, you're any player you're picking in that range, you're looking for a starter at the at the top of the draft. You're looking for a star. Um and then, you know, later in that, you're, you're still looking for a starter, someone that's super dependable, someone that's, you know, going to be a, a, a franchise piece for a while. And to get five of those in one draft is kind of un, unheard of. Um, but then again, we're coming off a draft and where the Seahawks got six starters. So uh, it made for it, it makes for an interesting, um, interesting draft in, in all of this. Uh, but I looked at the, the Seahawks team and I looked at the way the draft fell and. 
in a top five pick, you've either got to go quarterback or you've got to go, uh, if you're Seattle, you've got to go a complete game wrecker on the defensive line. Yeah, well, let me let me stop you there and let me ask you this about strategy-wise. Like, uh, where are the strengths at the top of the draft, Keith, in your, in your opinion? And, and do they match up with Seattle's needs? There's a lot of wide receivers at the top of the draft, which Seattle could use one but doesn't need to go that route they're not they're not weapon deprived the way some teams are um you know there's also d- defensive linemen and quarterbacks i mean that's kind of the um typical of the top oh and corner um corner is another another strength in this draft so um and again with corner seattle got two starters uh in the draft last year they're pretty set at this in uh at corner as far as their top three could they use more of course you can always use more cornerbacks that can play but um, it's not a it's not an area of like need where you're looking like oh we've got to get you know that like superstar there because they've got one they've got Tariq Bowen. Yeah, I agree. I think you know the strength obviously, and and we've talked about it, and and the entire industry have talked about it as far as the the quarterbacks in this draft. Now uh, the expectation levels were set pretty high heading into the college season. Since then, has moderated a little bit. Um, you just haven't seen like a huge explosion in one particular player. Although CJ Stroud has pretty much entered the season as the number one uh, quarterback overall. And I think in this draft, he ends up being the number one quarterback overall. Although there's two or three right at the top that you can choose from, uh, depending on how the draft uh, falls. On the defensive side, you've got some defensive linemen. You talked about uh, some game wreckers, Will Anderson sitting up there at defensive end. Who's making a tremendous impact? Had even a larger impact last year. Get facing a lot of double teams this year. Uh, Jalen Carter is, is another name uh, that I think Seah- Seahawks fans should familiarize themselves, especially if Denver uh, retains that top five pick. He could definitely be in play as a defensive tackle that can penetrate um, the pocket and disrupt um, timing and get some sacks from the interior. Miles Murphy, the other defensive end from Clemson. Uh, Breesy, another defensive lineman that uh, that has some injury concerns, uh, but is a, a pocket penetrator as well. So a lot of talent at the top, um, and then it kind of levels out after that. I think after pick say ten to fifteen, picks fifteen through thirty-five or forty seem to have similar value to me. But let's get into it, Keith. Uh, why don't you open this thing up? Let me know what your first pick is. We already know. Uh, together what it is but i'll let you talk about it first so um like i said we had that choice was it quarterback was it going to be you know defensive lineman and i looked at this team and i thought that a the defensive lineman is going to make a um a huge impact and i like the idea that they've got um gino right now and i thought that the way this draft was unfolding there are some guys that were thought to be you know top five quarterbacks that are going to fall a little bit that maybe they could get one of them later. And um, so I went with Jalen Carter, um, our defensive tackle out of um, Georgia. Guy's just unblockable at times coming up the middle. He's, um, you know, the closest thing that Seattle's had to um, Cortez Kennedy since Cortez Kennedy. And uh, anytime you can get a guy that can get upfield in the middle and just you know, yeah. hurt quarterbacks, make them move, get them off their spot, play in and play out. You got to go get that because it's just so valuable to your team. 
DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. They offer same-game parlays, easy and fast payouts, and player prop options. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, place a $5 bet on any team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. This pick is unfathomable to me um, three months ago. Uh, or it was going to be the Seahawks pick. It's the Denver pick we're talking about here at one mm-hmm. five overall. And you'd mentioned Geno Smith. It's like uh, we needed a quarterback heading into this season. Now Geno's proven that he can be the guy. We need to sign him to a deal. But uh, I think the Seahawks are, are definitely heading in that direction. And so it doesn't make quarterback the priority that it was uh, just just a short time ago. It does give the give us some options now. You mentioned quarterbacks available at this tier, but there are some available in, in the second tier as well as, as later on in the draft that still have pretty decent value. Um, and so I did the same thing. You mentioned Game Wrecker. This is it. This is my guy that I've been looking at for like two years in drafts for the Seahawks and just haven't been able to find it. Uh, but but here we are sitting at 1-5 overall, and Jalen Carter's the guy. Defensive tackle, 6'3", 310 pounds. Runs a four nine forty. He's the most athletic, disruptive defensive tackle in college football. And yeah. Seattle, if they could get him, this has got to be the pick. And uh, if he's off the board, I mean, things happen. Uh, he's up there at the top. He's got great value. Will Anderson's up there. Uh, you're talking about the quarterback, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, uh, Miles Murphy. Uh, the Ringo, the, the, the corner uh, is sitting out there. So, uh, but if it fell this way, Jalen Carter would be an excellent pick for the Seahawks. Who else yeah. would you consider in this spot if Jalen Carter was gone? Well, I mean, maybe if, Will Anderson was gone. They just had a run on defensive players in this, at the top. So if, if they have a, def- a run on defensive players at the top, does that mean that C.J. Stroud is available? Let's say C.J. Stroud is available. Does Seattle try to trade out of that pick, or do they take him as the future of the franchise? Here's the thing. If he's available, that means that other teams have tried to trade down and get a, a, a massive amount of picks um, because someone was going to come up and get their quarterback and couldn't find a taker, um, someone that was willing to, to just you know trade away few, uh, tons of future draft cal- capital um, like the 49ers did, where they gave up three first-round picks for Trey Lance. Um, if Stroud is available at five, that means no one's trying to do that right now. Like that, that um, no one's seeing um, that big of a need. And so, you may be able to trade out of that pick and get some draft capital, but you may not get what you think you want because of, um, yeah, just right the the situation. I think if you're sitting at five and you don't have somebody offering you, you know, everything, 
um, to come up and get CJ Stroud. You take CJ Stroud and you worry about the the problem down the road um, wow. because he is a franchise quarterback. He's what he does with his legs, what he does with his arm. He gets the ball downfield, like deep downfield with accuracy. Um, he's everything you want in a quarterback. He's the closest, you know, thing. I don't want to say that any quarterback is a sure thing, but it's hard to see him not being extremely successful at the next level. And um, yeah, yeah, I know you've got Gino, but he's not under contract. He's going to get it really expensive. So maybe you um, turn the page and you develop yourself a rookie or, and, you know, bring Gino back as a bridge for one more year or see what happens with that because now you don't have to pay him as much. Well, I, you know, this, the uh, Geno Smith thing is really going to dictate terms on this quite a bit. And um, they're going to have that solved prior to the draft. And so that'll be the interesting thing is, will they pay Geno and draft a quarterback really high? Um, that could cause some issues, but it's better to bank on a, on a sure thing and allow him to develop behind Geno. Maybe you can figure out a way to structure that contract so you can get out from under Geno within the first two years um, mm -hmm. and it would make it easier to, to draft a quarterback here. Um, there are figure other out, players figure out a way that make Geno Smith tradable. So if they do get a guy like Stroud, they can go, okay, who, who didn't get their corner quarterback that's desperate for a one, like maybe the jets and um, you know, uh, package Geno at some point and send him over yeah. there to, to be their quarterback. So, which would yeah. be funny if, if he went back to the jets, um, given how much they just tried to destroy his career at the beginning, um, I would find that completely <laughs> the, the only ironic. The only other thing, so if there's a run on defensive uh, players, um, and Brisey's sitting there, uh, the the Clemson um, defensive lineman, um, you may end up reaching for a guy like that. You may you talked about wide receiver. That's where you still have high first round value there at wide receiver, a playmaker. The other one is corner. A guy like uh, Keely Ringo um, is projected to go in the top 10 as well. You've got a, an offensive tackle in Skaronsky, um, which we do not need. And so Seahawks may end up having to reach here if the defensive tackles go. So if we if if Denver ends up picking like seven, eight, nine, this the strategy completely changes and we end up, mm -hmm. you know, I think going best player available. Um, because of that, but um, Jalen Carter's our pick here, and we can talk about this further uh, down the road when it makes makes more sense. Um, but it is an interesting strategy. I mean, it's going to be as much as that pick is coveted that you want. It really does force you to come to terms with your roster and and strategy because this pick kind of dictates the way the rest of the draft falls. Yeah. So the Seahawks uh, now currently sit at 21 for their, their uh, native first round pick. Um, what do you have going on there? Because if they get Carter at five, um, now you're sitting 16 picks later, still in the first round. Who do you have them taking? Yeah, I had them uh, a player, interesting player that I think is probably going to go either top 10 or top 15 overall is cornerback Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State, 6'2", 200 pounds. Mm -hmm. um, he'll be, he's a little older of a prospect. He'll be 23 by the time the training camp rolls around, just turned 23. But he runs a 4.47, has fluidity, the speed, the quick feet that you like. 
the, the guy that's able to high point the ball, um, a playmaker. He's a playmaker. He's the best corner in, in college football right now, I think, or one of the top two. And he was sitting there at 21, and I went best player available. Uh, I didn't yeah. intend to take a cornerback at this point, but it was either him or Robinson, the running back out of Texas, which I think is a high value too. This guy is, a, is supposed to be ranked top 15, top 10, possibly talent-wise, positional value-wise. It sucks for him. Yeah. But he's sitting I, there at 21 and you go, I don't know. And you've got people that might pick up the phone and call you on something like that. Also, there's some linebackers there that look enticing, but like linebacker uh, at 21 is really hard when you've got other choices later on in the draft. And I yeah, want to get positional don't value take, here. Man, uh, running back at 21 is not positional value when you've got Ken Walker. Do you, need a, do, you, do you need a backup running back? Do you need a second? One yes, because you've seen and what happens. There's some good ones available. Um, and but on. you don't go, you don't go first round pick when you've already right. got your star sitting there. Um, so in that same spot, I kind of had the same situation where I had a player that I think of as a top twelve pick sitting there at twenty one, um, and I was like done, click, and there there wasn't a lot of second thought about it, and it was wide receiver Quentin Johnson, um, out of TCU. He's six yeah. four, um, runs a four four. He's basically, um, you know, DK Metcalf again. Um, and how can you not have, you know, if you have a chance for two of the two of those guys, one of them is dominant enough. Now you get a now you get a second one. Um, and he, I mean, he's a a true X receiver, a guy that can do anything. Uh, surprisingly good route runner for someone who's six four, and yeah. um. Honestly, he's probably the second best wide receiver available behind Addison um, at a USC. And so I just saw that. Is it a need? No, but it's a he's the best player sitting there. You got to go for it. If, if a player that good falls you at 21. Yeah, it's it, this is an interesting spot because there's an opportunity here possibly for the Seahawks to double up on a position. Um, if they go defensive lineman in the in at one five. There are a couple defensive linemen here that could be available in like Nolan Smith, the defensive end out of Georgia. You've got Tyree Wilson, uh, the defensive lineman out of Texas Tech. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if they would do something like that. There's some corners in this range. Um, mm -hmm. Other than Joey Porter, I expect Joey Porter to complete, be completely honest, off the board by this pick. And yeah, so the corner. Corners in that range would we're talking like um Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon or mm -hmm. Clark Phillips the third out of Utah. Um yeah. those are guys that are gonna go in you know the mid to late first round. And a guy that that I would look at too, if you if you get like a Jalen Carter, a name that I would think that, that would be interest the Seahawks in this range would be uh Olari, the uh BJ Olari, the defensive uh, and edge player out of LSU. Um, just for some, you know, some speed, um, some some quality play there at mm -hmm. that position uh, of need still on this team. Um, even though you've got a game record in the middle, it doesn't mean we can't add to the outside as well. So, okay. All right, so, round two. Um, you don't have to so, wait long. Yeah, so we get down to, down to 35. So you, you go at um, 21 and then now you, at 35, the third pick of, of round two. Thank you, Denver, for being awful. Um I would need here, and um, 
I know you, the direction that you went uh, because we've talked about it a little bit off air, but um, I went need and I like the value at this spot, but I went with Noah Sewell, the linebacker out of Oregon. He yep. is um, freaky athlete, very, I mean, just good, good in coverage, good in, in, in run stopping, just kind of everything well as a middle linebacker. And with Seattle switching to this three, four, you really need someone besides Jordan, beside Jordan Brooks. And that's what Noah Sewell is to me is he's going to be that guy in the mm -hmm. middle um, mm -hmm. that's going to really clean things up, make things better, especially when you you've added um, the game wrecker up in front of him, that that's going to keep him and yeah. um, and Brooks cleaner. Those guys are going to feast. And so to me, it was it was a um, it was a really easy pick to go and get uh, someone to replace Cody Barton and and upgrade that defense. I think with with this pick, the 235 as it sits right now, Denver's pick in the second round, um, and then Seahawks pick at 51. So there's only a 16 uh, pick gap in between. And so that's pretty nice for the Seahawks, pretty nice problem to have there. And so they can get two players that they have on their board uh, in this range and feel pretty good about it. Um, I did go a different direction. This is where I evaluated a quarterback and, and picked the quarterback. Now there are certain mock drafts that I do where I, Sewell is my pick as well, because I think that's a tremendous pick in this range uh, that really solves a problem that Seattle mm -hmm. has. And so you're addressing not only a great player, good fit uh, and, and good value in, in him, but I went with An Anthony Richardson quarterback out of Florida with this pick, 6'4", 232 pounds, really athletic, ran a 4'4", 40, can throw the ball 75 yards, physical tools are off the chart. Um, and as far as physical tools compares to like Will Levis that you would have to you know pick much higher, the thing about Anthony Richardson is he's gonna need some time. He's not mm -hmm. NFL ready as we speak today. He's, he's just not. not. He's he's a, a little erratic. His completion percentage is below 60%, um, but he's got the tools. And so if you do have uh, Geno Smith back on the team, back on the roster uh, for a couple of years at least, um, this could be a player that they could pick and stash uh, to develop over time and have their quarterback of the future on the roster. And anytime you're picking this high and you've got opportunities to build out the rest of your roster, but you can go find a guy that you really like. Not saying that John Schneider does, but Anthony Richardson's gotta be on their radar as far as a guy that could be available early in the second round, possibly late first, that they could um, they could acquire and get on the roster. There, there's gonna be a lot of um, Josh Allen comps to Anthony uh, Richardson, just because of his size, his ability to run, his toughness, um, and his inability to complete passes uh regularly at the college level um now josh allen fixed you know a lot of the stuff that he was you know struggling with uh and became a really good pro it's also not the norm and so i look at richardson as man he could be great or he mm -hmm. could just be a huge bust um and i i'm i'm scared of wasting a pick on a huge bust so uh, I went a completely different way in terms of uh, thinking yep. about quarterback of the future, but man, as far as physical tools go, you're not going to find one better. Yeah, I am. Uh, knowing your draft ahead, ahead, I'm uh, kind of in the same boat. I'm, I'm right there teetering. Um, his his skill set is enticing, 
but uh, the Seahawks could go a, a different way here. We've talked about it uh, quite a bit on the show as far as needing uh, to continue to develop the, the defense. So your pick makes a lot of sense here. All right, yeah. let's go on to 254. Um, I really liked uh, the guy that ended up landing in my spot here. Um, it was a no-brainer to me that he was on the board. Um, and I went with uh, defensive tackle Mozzie Smith here from Michigan at 54. This is where value for his skill set starts to make sense in the draft. He's a run stuffer, plain and simple, 6'3", 337 pounds, just a massive, naturally well-leveraged frame with raw power. I mean, he can soak up double teams. This allows the Seahawks, this player allows the Seahawks to kind of get more into their three, four sets um, mm-hmm. and be able to swallow some double teams and, and the true the, nose the, tackle. the two, two gap guy. Yeah. He's a true nose tackle. Um, yeah. I like, um, I like that pick. That's a, that's someone who wasn't available when I did mine and wasn't available by like 10 picks. It's like he went well before. Um, so I, but that, that's a really nice pick there. Uh, especially, I mean, that's a, one of those where you you get a you get a guy that complements your other draft picks and um, can really get in, and you can make a big impact as far as uh, overall getting everyone together, you know, and putting a roster together. So I like that pick. Um, yeah, yeah, and so I've you know three out of the four picks so far have been on my defense. This is kind of what you know I I I had in mind heading into the draft as I kind of wanted to look at defensive players, all things being equal. Um, I know that I can complimentary add on the offensive side, but defense, mm-hmm. especially in the trenches is kind of where I wanted to invest my um, draft capital in this mock. Yeah. And I kind of did the same thing. Um, there's a lot of, which is weird because Seattle's defense has turned it around and been pretty good, but I just yes. think that there's, um, but there's, there's but more, there's there, a couple of players away from being elite. There's a and there's a, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of older players on the defensive line guys like Quentin Jefferson and and Al Shelby Woods. Harris uh, Al Woods especially yeah um, that it, you wouldn't mind um, getting younger getting cheaper hungrier um, that kind of stuff so I like that I kind of went in a in a similar direction I went with Zach Harrison um, out of Ohio State uh, people list him as an edge even though he's 278 pounds um, I think of him more as in a three, four, uh, I think of him more as Quentin Jefferson, right? A guy that is going to be about 280 pounds. Um, so a little undersized to defensive tackle, but you put him at defensive end and he's a little oversized, but he's got all the freaky athleticism and his ability to penetrate, get into gaps, um, get pressure on the quarterback and, um, you know, make tackles in the backfield in the running game and just be super disruptive, uh, that as a, as a skill set that, would be great to have. So he's basically you're you're getting a younger, probably more athletic Quentin Jefferson in terms of um, his skill set. I mean, he ran a four point five at two hundred and seventy yeah. pounds. Uh, so is this is a guy that that's got speed and that kind of stuff, uh, but he can get around the edge, he can bull rush, and he can just dart into uh, gaps and make plays. And I just think that you can't have a enough super athletic defensive lineman who can get after a quarterback. So um, I love this pick. Like this is my favorite. I think my favorite pick other than the Jalen Carter, obviously, but 
this guy comes with a different skill set than Jalen Carter, uh, mm-hmm. but he can be used. He can drop down and you know in the middle on certain plays and so forth. But this guy's athletic enough to play on the edge, set the edge, um, you know, rotate in with um, Shelby Harris, you know, at this point as well. Um, but that four, I've got him down as a four four one forty at two hundred and seventy two pounds, six six. Keith, check this out. Dude has an 87 inch wingspan. I like, know. I was that's reading that. Like, those absurd. Are, yeah. What I, I'm looking at all of at all of this stuff, and I'm like, how is he sitting down here at this spot? Mm-hmm. This is a guy that you look at all these measurable and some of his production and everything, and you're like, this is a guy that people would think of as a top 10 pick. So why? Why is he not viewed that way? And I could not find, I mean, is there like stuff in his past or whatever? I could not find like an injury history that was bad or anything else that made me think the why this guy isn't um the one thing is higher the rub that he's got is in between the ears is that uh he's he's has questionable dedication to football and those sorts of things in the background um where he doesn't completely play to his perceived skill set so he's you know Bruce Feldman's freak list all that kind of stuff but his production is is a little under where you'd think he'd he'd be. And then um, you know, he plays a little bit upright. You know, he needs to kind of play more to his leverage and strength, build some core, all that kind of stuff. Blah, 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 blah. Nonetheless, he's got the skill set has. and the frame and the right. And he's an Ohio State guy. You know, so he's got good coaching. Um, he comes in and ready to contribute, and then you kind of build him, mold him let our defensive staff get a hold of him and you end up with a great player. So I love it. I love that pick. All right. I think we did something similar on this next pick. Keith, go ahead. Um, so after Harrison, you got it down at, um, at uh, 86. So now we're into, uh, we're at Seattle's third round pick. Uh, probably the last you're looking at if you're, if you're drafting here um, to be a, a starter. And I went with, um, uh, John Michael Schmidt, the interior lineman out of Minnesota. Um, Seattle's weakness on offense is the interior of the, uh, of the offensive line. They're, um, they're just, the tackles have, have been upgraded so much that now you look at the interior and you're like, okay, let's fix that too. And I, I just see that at, uh, that Schmidt coming in um, out of Minnesota is an instant starter. You just toss him in there and um, improve. And yes. anytime you can do that, you just, especially in an area of weakness, um, it's one of those things that you kind of do. He's also a riser in the draft right now. Like usually interior um, offensive linemen are people that, you know, guys don't really think about. They're, they tend to be lower, but the good ones tend to creep up um, in the draft process. There's a lot of mock drafts putting him right around the end of the first round or early round two and so um getting him at this level down around three just felt like incredible value yeah interesting um yeah i i did the exact same thing um here's a six four 320 pound guy uh the only thing that that made me hesitate a little bit on him was his short arms at 32 and three eighths and he's going to be 24 years old when he lands into training camp but He's got 864 career passing snaps in college, only allowed 10 quarterback hits, uh, excuse me, 
10 quarterback hurries, three quarterback hits, and zero sacks over 31 games. Um, yeah. So this guy's a, he's a mauler in the run game. He can get to the second level. He's athletic enough to do that, and he's um, he's got he's great in pass coverage um, or, or pass blocking. And so it's a, it's a natural pick uh, right here, uh, value and need. Um, John Michael Schmitz. All right. Uh, well, I almost I wanted to mention a player that I almost wanted to take. I mean, they were both available. Um, and I really want this safety on the Seahawks team, and that's uh, JL Skinner, uh, the, the safety out of Boise State. Um, he's just a thumper, enforcer, uh, big uh, safety, great coverage skills, um, kind of a, a little bit of a ball hawk, but really good in run uh, fits. And um, that's another player I think um, looks Seahawky to me. Um, and I wouldn't mind going in that direction as well. But I'd kind of leaned uh, defense early. Now it was time to fill out the, the, the rest of the roster. Yeah, you're going to hate this. In my draft, he went to San Francisco. Um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. All right. Okay. So now... after, the, after the interior offensive lineman uh, at 4, one, what are we, 4, 122, 123? Yeah. Which direction? I was gonna say. Well, I was gonna say. Let's let's look at let's look back at the top five because the top five we're we're looking at starters, right? This, these are the guys that are Seattle is is poised to um, really upgrade their roster with those five picks. So we both went um, two on the defensive line, um, and an and an offensive lineman, right? Um, obviously, you and I are both valuing uh, in the trenches again this year, and like last year, it was the two offensive tackles. This now now it's gonna be the defensive line and an interior. Uh, I went wide receiver, linebacker. Um, you went quarterback, and I'm trying to remember the other pick pl- player that you had. Um, uh, corner, corner. So I went, right. yeah, Joey Porter. Yep, that's right. Because um, where I went wide receiver, just because Quentin Johnson was there. Um, yeah. Yeah. and so you, it. it it kind of gives uh, uh, the listeners an idea of, of what you and I are valuing right now for this team is a lot of defense and a lot of linemen um, get better in the trenches when they're um, and I mean, they've already got some good players out on the outside. They've got good players elsewhere, but they need to yeah. do better at winning in the trenches on, uh, on every down. So uh, I agree. yeah, so that that's kind of our strategy after that. Now you're looking at guys, that are rotational, maybe develop into starters eventually, but you're not looking at them at starters right away. Um, and so at um, 123, I went with uh, a safety, uh, Jamie Robinson, um, a guy that is um, super athletic, fast, um, hits uh, hits hard, but is not is not reckless in, in terms of his. Uh, you know, diving into plays the way Jamal Adams sometimes can be and, and gets himself hurt. Uh, really, he had the speed to be the guy that plays deep, um, got kind of the instincts to be the guy that plays in the box. Very, um, very digs like Quentin digs like. So it's a a guy that, that would fit well into Seattle's rotation, being able to come up, come, come back. He's just a little raw in terms of his coverage skills. And so, uh, that's why I think he drops, and that's why he dropped in this draft, I believe, and why you don't want him starting right away. I think you can 
uh, ease him in and, and let him practice and learn and play and contribute on special teams and, you know, be that third safety in a rotation. And uh, I just thought it was a good fit at um, in the fourth round, the 123rd pick. Yeah, that's this is a good fit. Uh, obviously, um, I think that that safety is a, an area that the Seahawks um, would likely want to target in this draft, especially in this range. Um, there are a few other position groups as well. Wide receiver, um, maybe take a look at a, at an edge um, that isn't quite ready for prime time yet, but has the skill set. Um, safety is definitely at Tyreek. Uh, Tyke Smith is still on the board at this area in my draft. Um, DeMarvin uh, Overshone, the um, linebacker out of Texas. I think is is undervalued and would be a great uh, fit here. I went with uh, a backup running back because um, I think this is the range where uh, there are a few in this draft and Seattle, I think, does have a need. I, I don't know that they're completely uh, enamored with DJ Dallas. Now, DJ Dallas has done a pretty decent job with returns and so forth, but he's been lacking uh, running the ball, doesn't have many opportunities. In fact, on the season, I think they've only had 15 carries, 15 touches. Um, and so they went with uh, Zach Charbonnet out of uh, UCLA. Uh, oh, that's a good six, six one, 220 pounds, runs a 4 4 one, 40. It's everything that the Seahawks love to have in their running back as far as size. Yards per carry is 5.9 as a junior, but as a senior uh, with 270 carries so far. Uh, he's got a 7.5 yards per carry average, 13 touchdowns, great rusher, combination of size, strength, and and uh, speed, uh, especially that uh, breakaway speed once he gets out in space. Um, I just think this is a great tandem to have, uh, a, a really decent running back that could come in and start for you if he needed to. That's a nice compliment to uh, Walker. And since we've got the extra picks in this draft, um, it, it affords us the opportunity to solidify that position. Oh, yeah. Um, and especially at this range, like you were talking about um, the guy out of Texas in round one, and I'm like, yeah. no, you don't, you don't, you're yeah. not desperate for a starter, and, and, and there's no positional value at that point. But at this point in the draft, to get a guy like Charbonnet, um, I love that pick. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay, after that, this is, um, I've been waiting to talk about this pick for a while. Um, at 140. Um, I have, uh, the Seahawks taking a, a local guy, Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy that, um, just is been incredibly productive getting the ball downfield, getting, you know, high percentage, um, you know, in terms of getting his, uh, completion percentage, getting the ball downfield, um, been, just what what I don't know like what hasn't he done this year right. um uh with with Washington I mean the the game he had against Oregon was just incredible and that was against you know a pretty good team and a guy and a team with a corner that's going to go you know 100 picks ahead of him uh and he just ate them alive and it was it, it's just great I mean 67% completion percentage um you know, 25 touchdowns, six interceptions. Like, the guy's just been good. He's taken... Yeah, he's really was, developed this year. Really. Yeah, t- taking a team that was genuinely awful uh, a year ago 
and and turn them into a, an elite offense. Probably the I think they're the best passing offense statistically in the country, uh, and that says a lot about their quarterback. And I think if you can get a guy like that at this point, he comes in. Does, he does. Does he have the biggest arm in terms of like ball speed? No, but he's got great touch down the field, um, good accuracy at all three levels. I to me, this is a, this is a fun pick. You bring him in, you see if he develops. Um, very similar to what um, Washington once did with Kirk Cousins and got a lot out of that player and then eventually traded it. Or well, I guess they, they lost him in free agency, but uh, should have traded him and uh, gotten a bunch of assets out of him. Um, and if Geno Smith goes back to being what he was in the past or gets hurt, you've got a guy that you think can come in and, and carry the team. So I, I like um, Penix Jr. I, I like him more than uh, the draft pundits to do at this point. I do think he rises and isn't available at this spot. I agree. I was just going to say that, Keith. I think at this at this point in the draft, this is kind of a no-brainer. You take him. Um, and uh, I would expect this is this is one of those players um, in, the, in a quarterback class that will be a riser in this and and probably end up going in, in no later than the top of the the third round i really think that he's probably in the uh 75 range at at, at the latest i think in, mm -hmm. in this draft um another player to consider in a similar range is jaron hall out of byu but i like Penix a lot better he's got better size he's a younger prospect um and i wanted to talk to you just for a minute about strategy because you went deep into this draft, not knowing if a quarterback would even be available before you selected one. Um, and I wanted to talk to you about your confidence in Geno Smith and the direction the team is likely to go in this draft. Is this a real draft strategy that the Seahawks might deploy here? I think so, because you look at, at that, that first, very first pick, you either take Jalen Carter or you take a CJ Stroud, Will Levis yes. type guy. Right. Um, if you if you don't take a quarterback at one five, I don't think you take a quarter. I mean, you have the Richardson fell to them in the second round. I, um, yes. And I, I like that value. If you're going to pick, pick him, you want him to be second or third round guy because yes. he's so such a developmental um, prospect. But other than that, if you don't take uh, a quarterback at one five, I think you wait and you look for value with a guy like Penix jr. Um, later in the draft in round three or round four and uh, go that route because it, it's you either have Geno Smith locked up for two or three years and you know you can slow play this a little bit or you don't and if you don't you go get CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or one of those guys at the top of the draft yeah I agree it's the way that the draft falls too it's like you're right um, now you could drop back a little bit um, one five we didn't do any trades in this no. mock um but there is an opportunity there's a tremendous amount of value if you do have trade partners available uh you could drop you know say five to seven eight picks uh pick up additional uh picks in the second or third round and um and maybe a will levis uh or bryce young falls to you and maybe that would be a, a, a place where you would feel more comfortable drafting a quarterback but um, I think the scenario you, you put out there is, is legitimate. And I think the Seahawks may deploy something like that. Um, 
Interesting. All right. I went, um, I still felt like I needed some speed off the edge uh, in my draft. And so I, I can't pronounce this, so I'm going to do it really slow and see if it comes out right. I picked <laughs> the edge out of Northwestern, Adetomiwa Adeba Ware, um, the 6'2", 280-pound um, defensive edge out of Northwestern, runs a 4 5 uh, 940 Bruce Feldman's freak list ranked number 30 uh, overall 30 reps um, at 225 um, 4.05 uh, shuttle uh, 6.93 cone um, 37 and a half inch vertical wait um, six six point nine three three cone at 280 pounds yeah that is wide receiver level yeah he's, he's got some agility. serious agility the, the, that is like that in is his crazy. in all of the the you know his things agile is is the word that keeps coming up over and over again very agile uh but but strong um looks the part long athletic build um he's got the burst um he, he you know he's he's a he's a burner i mean he's going to be an edge edge burner that's faster than dk Metcalf's um three cone and he's doing it 280 pounds yeah the the, the rub on him is six two you, you kind of want a guy like that to be six four or so but he does have an 81 inch wingspan yeah tell um, that so to aaron donald who's six right. one <laughs> right <laughs> so best defensive you know, the, tackle in a generation is six one that's the reason why he wasn't the first overall pick he was the 15th um was everyone was oh he's you know he's only six one yeah sure yeah. Um, this guy is going to be another riser, I think. You know, at five one fifty nine or whatever, wherever this pick five one fifty seven, um, it's. I think he's going to be a guy that goes earlier. Uh, but at this point in the draft, I was adding uh, potential, and he had it written all over him. Oh yeah. All right, so let's um, get through these last couple picks. We're um, running a little long already, and and um, I think at this point in the draft, we're we're down looking at. Um, guys that most people have never heard of uh so <clears throat> with my next pick i went um with so we're talking at yeah that 157 uh, i went with riley moss uh cornerback out of iowa this is a guy who is um another one of bruce feldman's freak list he's 6'1 193 um arms are what's going to make him drop because he's only 30 and 5 8 inch arms despite the height uh, but he's got speed. He's got super like good feet, good hips. His ability to be super sticky in coverage is um, it's just written all over him. And he's a guy that is going to be good on the boundary, but he's quick enough to move up and and play in the slot. He's got. Um, yeah, he's got long career written on him, except for his short arms. So I think that you look at at a guy like that at this point in the draft and Seattle has shown that they're not afraid to go with shorter armed guys with, um, you know, uh, guys like uh, DJ Reed, who is now having a good, great year with, with the Jets, but he played the last two years in Seattle and that kind of stuff. So he's kind of in that, in that um, mold uh, and super sticky. And I, I just think that he's going to be a great fit. So I went there. Nice. Yeah. I, um, you know, we don't have any picks after this. And so I kind of wanted to just go with best player available with some upside, maybe some special teams right away. 
uh, that could come in and maybe stick on your roster. There's not going to be a lot of roster uh, spots available, especially for guys that are picked this at this level. Um, and maybe this guy could could get on. And I went with a local kid, uh, Rome and Dunze out of is it in Dunze? Out of Washington, so. the 6'3", 201 pound um, wide receiver. And uh, he's got 41 catches, 415 yards, three touchdowns in 2021, but through seven games in 22, he has 57, 56, and six. Um, agility, uh, control, and route runner. Um, he's just got overall excellent size and length um, and just needs a little bit of time. He's a red shirt, uh, shirt sophomore, so there's no guarantee that he's going to declare for this draft. Um, especially given the idea that he would come in this range uh, mm-hmm. in the draft. He may decide to stick around for another year and uh, raise his draft stock up, but you just never know. But if he's out there, this would be a guy that I think that I would get excited about. Yeah, I mean, he's a kind of more of a developmental prospect guy, but he's young. Um, I would be surprised if he comes out if the um, the people are telling him that this is where he's going to be. He would go back for another year, come out as a um you know second round pick and i think that would be would be would better suit him but if he does declare and seattle gets him i'd love that that's that's a good pick um for my last for my last pick i went i kind of doubled up at position so back in at 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 the 51st pick overall i went with zach harrison out of ohio state this one i went with keon white um defensive lineman out of georgia tech very similar guy um you know 286 pounds uh but you know, played defensive end, uh, has some of the movement skills to think that he might be a, you know, linebacker, but at 286 pounds, you're looking at him more as a three, four defensive end, a guy that can get upfield, um, disrupt, you know, things, set the edge, do, uh, Quentin Jefferson, Shelby Harris things. And if you can get a guy this late that has those, um, those talents, those abilities that I think it's a nice, guy to have in the rotation he won't i don't think he'll come in and make a massive impact his you know right at the beginning but he's got some uh potential to to grow and, and develop or if there's injury and you need need him to um he can i think you i look at like he's got a spin move which is really fun to watch so uh he's a guy that can really do some things and get after quarterbacks and and that kind of stuff it's just a matter for him of of um you know, doing a little bit better with play recognition and not rushing a quarterback when the running back's got the ball type of thing. And other than that, looks like a guy that's going to have a long career. So, um, and to get him this late looked like a good plus for me. Awesome. Great way to finish. You know, I think we both did um, something I think we we both would like to do and the Seahawks would like to do. Invest in the trenches still. Come away mm-hmm. with three quality starters out of this draft and a couple of really nice rotation pieces is really what you want to hope for. I know that, you know, it's really difficult to duplicate Seattle's 2021 uh, or 2022 class um, because you, you ended up with six starters or at least six really important pieces four four or five starters for sure. And then in this draft for me, I think I came away with, with uh, three immediate starters two potential long-term starters in Charbonnet and Anthony Richardson. And um, I just feel really good about it because my starters would be Jalen Carter, uh, Joey Porter at corner, and then um, you'd have a rotation piece in Mozzie Smith, 
um, and then um, the, the center. Schmitz mm -hmm. would be my other starter, and then everyone else, you know, Jack Zach Charbonnet and, and Richardson would be there to to develop, um, and then um, everything else is just kind of a you know fits in where they can. Maybe not even make the roster. I don't know, but it, at that point, it didn't matter to me. I got what I needed out of the draft early. Yeah, six out of nine for me are on defense. I think yours was similar, um, which shows you a little bit about what you and I are valuing this year and what the team needs. Um, and where the I, draft falls. Yeah. And so when I looked at this, I, I mean, as far as starters, do you count um, Quentin Johnson as starter when you've got Metcalf and, and Lockett on the roster? Um, I think you do because you play with, you've got him. If you've got those three all together, you play a lot of three wide receiver sets and, and scare the heck out of de defensive coordinators. Um, and so, you know, w when you look at that, um, I think you got, I've got four starters, Zach Harrison being a, a rotational guy at um at the five tech uh defensive end in this three four unless they cut um quentin jefferson and then he becomes the starter so yeah there, there's definitely that there's also there's potential at, at, along here so i i think that you're never gonna <clears throat> expecting another 2022 draft in 2023 i think is setting everyone up for disappointment but if you can get three or four starters out of a draft a, a year after you get yes, six into the playoffs <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. into the playoffs. Yeah. And um, you're looking at building a roster. That's, that's elite. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's, and that, and that's what this draft I believe does for Seattle's defense is it takes a good defense and it makes them an elite defense and a young defense um, yes. makes them better and younger and I just think that you have that kind of defense with the talent they've got on offense in terms of weapons. The Seahawks become a, you know, legit Super Bowl contender. I would say perennial, yeah, perennial playoff team again. Yep. And um, yeah, and you just set the whole thing up for a four-year run is essentially mm -hmm. what, what you do in this draft because uh, you're ready. You, you've made the playoffs. You've shown that you're going to be a playoff contending team. Now you go out and solidify spots of weakness, um, and this draft sets up for that. Now this is just, you know, what we just did is an exercise in speculation, obviously. But when it comes right down to it, Seattle's going to have an opportunity to have probably four or five. Well, we've got, we're going to have five top 100 picks, depending on if we trade out or, or whatever. Um, that's going to impact that roster in a positive way. I mean, it just really is. And, um, yeah, fun. Fun stuff. All right. We need to get out of here. Um, yeah. Next time we get together, we're going to talk about the um, the preview of the matchup. Uh, Seahawks had, had their bye. Now they're back uh, playing the Las Vegas Raiders at home. We're going to preview that game. And it uh, should be fun as well. So until next time, find Keith on Twitter at MyersNFL. You can find me at MWSeahawks. You know where the show's at. Hit that subscribe button and make sure you share it. Take care, guys. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.